0: Well, good morning. It is good to see you this morning. And I know many people are traveling. And uh, so as a pastor, sometimes you wonder, is it just going to be me? And uh, if a pastor speaks to an empty room, is he really speaking? That's a question. But it's it's good to see you this morning. And I trust you will be encouraged. We've been singing about God's forgiveness and hope that we have in him. This morning, we're going to be challenged in our forgiveness. So let's pray. Father, as we come before you this morning, I pray that you would encourage each one here. Lord, just help them in their circumstances. Many are facing struggles in various areas. I pray that you would just help them to see your comfort and your strength. Lord, this morning, I pray that you would challenge each one of us in the area of forgiveness. Such a hard thing. But Lord, when we forgive, we are a picture of you. And help us to be people who forgive. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Forgiveness is unnatural. Unnatural. Our natural instinct is justice and revenge. That person that has hurt me needs to pay for what they have done. But forgiveness is a picture of God. It's laced with grace and love. It's a demonstration of godly character. And as we continue, and actually in our final week of looking at the life of David we see an amazing picture of forgiveness as David encounters a man named Shimei. So we're going to begin this morning by looking at the story, and it's found in 2 Samuel 16, and then there's a gap, and part two of the story is in 2 Samuel 19. Looking first at, at 2 Samuel 16, we see that David showed grace to Shimei, when he when David left Jerusalem so let's get a little bit of a background here as we talked last week David's son Absalom uh, led a coup and and took over the throne and instead of fighting against his own son David left and so now we come to chapter 16 and David is in the process of of leaving and going out of Israel and he encounters Shimei so let's look beginning in verse 5 of 2 Samuel 16. It says, Now when King David came to Baharim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Girah, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David, and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left." Also Shimei said thus when he he cursed, come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruiah said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king please let me go over and take off his head but the king said what have i to do with you you son of zeruiah so let him curse because the lord has said to him curse david who then shall say why have you done so and david said to abishai and all of his servants see how my son who came from my own body seeks my life how much more now may this benjaminite Benjamite, let me alone, and let him, or let him alone, and let him curse, for the so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the uh, it may be that the Lord will look on my affliction, and the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went along the road, Shimei went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went, threw stones at him, and kicked up dust now the king and all the people who were with him became weary so they refreshed themselves there an interesting passage so david is leaving and and it must have been so hard the pain that was in david's life as he was leaving watching his own son turn against him and so as he's leaving this this person of the house of saul a benjamite decided that he would uh, kick the king when he was down. So they were walking along the road, and, and so he's, he was up on the hillside walking along parallel to them and, and cursing and, and throwing stones, kicking dust, just being a nuisance. Now, by the way, in, in, along with his cursing, we read there that he said some things about King David, some things that weren't true saying that David was intentionally taking over from King Saul and that David was guilty in that and the Lord was cursing David because David took over the kingdom. That was the farthest thing from the truth. If you remember watching the actions and the, the time between King Saul and David, David honored the king. David had opportunities to kill King Saul, and he chose not to, even though Saul was trying to kill him. And so here this guy was throwing rocks and and, and cursing King David, but also lying about him. And so Shimei was just being a nuisance, a rotten person. And one of the king's mighty men, his name was Abishai. Now, Abishai was the brother of Joab, who was the the general of David's army. And there were actually three brothers, and they were all mighty men. And just like Joab, Abishai had a little bit of a temper (laughs) and uh, lacked some self-control. And he said, all right, king, This is frustrating. This guy's lying about you. He's throwing rocks at us. Let me go up and take off his head. I won't even break a sweat. It's going to be so easy. And David said, no. And basically what we see David saying is, this guy, yes, he is being a nuisance, but let God deal with it. And I desire, David speaking, that God sees our grace toward this man who doesn't deserve it, but we're called to give it. We'll let God handle it, and we'll just stay out of the judging part. So we see now David goes and he crosses the Jordan. He goes over into another land. Absalom is the king now. And and after a while, there is a war. And Joab, Abishai's brother, kills Absalom here in these next chapters. And we touched on that last week. And after he kills Absalom, David is heartbroken because his son is dead. But the people call David to come back and be king again. And so as David is crossing the Jordan River back into Israel, one of the first people, if not the first person that he meets, is Shimei. Notice what it says. that We see that David forgave Shimei when he returned to Jerusalem. Notice what it says in chapter 19, verses 18 through 23. It says, Then a ferry boat went across to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought, what he thought. Now Shimei, uh, the son of Girah, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, Do not let my lord impute iniquity to me, or remember what wrong your servant did on the day my my lord, left, my lord the king left Jerusalem that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here I am, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord the king. But Abishai... Remember him from chapter 16. Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed? Then David said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? Therefore the king said to Shimei, You shall not die and the king swore to him. So what happens? They come back, and now David's the king again, and they cross the Jordan River, and they meet Shimei. Shimei has a whole different attitude. Circumstances have changed, and because of that, Shimei changes his vocabulary. Instead of cursing and lying about the king, instead of throwing stones, he comes and he, and he prostrates himself before the king and he says, oh king, I'm so sorry. Now, Abishai has the same response that he had before. David, let me kill him. He's not worth living. But once again, David says, Abishai, No. We're not going to have any bloodshed today. And David forgave Shimei. Now, as we look at this, there's some principles of forgiveness that we find here in this passage and in Scripture that we need to apply in our lives. Again, forgiveness is something that is unnatural, but something that is necessary. In his book, The Art of Forgiveness, Lewis Smedes shares some steps to forgiveness. The first thing we need to do is rediscover the humanity of the one who hurt us. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll necessarily trust them as a close friend. It doesn't diminish the wrong that they they did or the possibility that they're going to do it again. But here is what it does mean. It means that we recognize that they are human with faults, just like us. Our natural response is to ask God to treat those who have harmed us with the justice that they deserved. While in our case, we desire that God treats us with grace and mercy when we do wrong. God get them, but God forgive me but we need to rediscover their humanity that just like us they are sinful human beings and with that number two we surrender our right to get even when we're wronged we want revenge we would much rather sit on the judgment seat than on the mercy seat forgiveness involves our surrendering the right to vengeance I am not going to take revenge on that person I am not going to be the one who gives them what they deserve and when I forgive I surrender that right to get even now it does not mean that There is the surrender of any claims of justice for their actions. If they did something to break the law, they may be prosecuted by the law. But I will not seek revenge. And the third step is that we revise our feelings toward the one we forgive. I must begin to change how I feel about them. Remember Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount when he talked about how we deal with our enemies. He said that we're to do good to those who hurt us. We're to pray for those who have offended us, our enemies. We change our feelings and with that our actions toward them. That's why Jesus could say, love your enemy." Do good to those who hurt you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. We're to do good. So rediscover, remind ourselves that they are human. They're sinful people just like us. Surrender our right to get even and change our feelings. Those are the steps to forgiveness. But forgiveness is hard. Oftentimes, we do what we would call inadequate forgiveness. And here are some ways that we inadequately forgive. The first one may sound a little strange, but we see it happen quite often, and that's denial. Denial, we say, well, they don't really need to be forgiven. Outwardly, we don't admit our hurt, but inwardly, we are wounded, and we harbor ill will toward that person who has hurt us. We, we desire to, to look like the person who is above the situation, but yet inside we're, we're being driven by that frustration, that bitterness, that anger. Or conditional forgiveness. I will forgive you if. Forgiveness is not based upon a change in the one being forgiven. Remember when Peter went to Jesus, and Peter said, how many times shall I forgive? Seven times? Now you have to understand, Peter thought Jesus was gonna give him a gold star. Because in the Jewish tradition, you were supposed to forgive someone of an offense three times. And so Peter was doubling it plus one. And Peter was just waiting for Jesus to say, oh, Peter, that's amazing. You're going above and beyond the call of duty. Peter, congratulations. But instead, Jesus said, Peter, not seven times, 70 times seven. Now, you mathematicians say that's 490 times. Very good. But by the way, if you're counting to 490, you're not forgiving. And what's Jesus telling us? Jesus is telling us that our forgiveness has no limits just like God's forgiveness of us has no limits I forgive you if and what happens is we say okay I'm going to give that I'm going to forgive that person if they change the way they act or if they don't do it again And that's not what forgiveness is you see forgiveness is not about the person i'm forgiving it's about my relationship with god and we see that forgiveness is not conditional or another is partial i forgive you but we put limits on our forgiveness and we say but you don't know what they did And I can only go so far. But God says that our forgiveness must be complete, not partial. Can't be limited. Or another, delayed. I will forgive you eventually. Now, forgiveness is is a process. I understand that. But when I make the choice to forgive, it's not I will forgive eventually. When I get around to it, when I feel like it. You see, we have some wrong ideas of forgiveness. We think that forgiveness is based upon our emotions. I can't forgive that person because I don't feel like it. Well, if you wait till you'll feel like it, you won't forgive them because we will never feel like it because they caused us pain. But God calls for us to forgive as an act of the will. I choose to forgive that person. They don't deserve it. They may never change, but I am going to forgive them. It's my choice. Or sometimes we may say, you know, I I can't forgive because I can't forget well, if they have hurt us deeply, we will never forget. I challenge you to think back to someone who you forgave a long time. ago. you still remember what the situation was, the circumstances that caused the pain. But God challenges us to determine to forgive. Whether we feel like it, even if we can't forget it, we're still called to forgive. Our forgiveness needs to be unconditional and complete. Lou Priolo reminds us of what forgiveness should include in his book, Pleasing People, and he gives three parts to forgiveness. Number one, you promise not to bring up the offense to the forgiven person so as to use it against them. We've all been tempted to do it. I'm pretty confident we've all done it. We've said to that person, I forgive you, but then in another intense situation, we bring back up their past offenses. It's Sort of like the couple that went to the, see the counselor. They were having some marriage problems, and the counselor says, all right, well, what's going on? And the man said, well, whenever we get into a fight, my wife gets historical. Some of you will get that later. It probably wasn't that funny, but it's a, it's a very important point. When I forgive, I'm not going to bring it up against them in the future. And with that, also, you promise to not discuss the forgiven offense with others. oh we're tempted to do this and whether it's a friend or a spouse or a workmate say it's a workmate and then we come to our next coffee break at work and we share with everybody else the horrible thing that they did that we've forgiven them of no i'm not going to bring it up against them i'm not going to bring it up to others and thirdly you promise to not dwell on the forgiven offense yourself, but remind yourself instead that you have forgiven the offender just as God in Christ has forgiven you, which is found in Ephesians 4.32. My relationship with that person, I choose not to bring it up against them. My relationship with others, I'm not going to gossip about it. And my relationship internally, I'm not going to just continually dwell on it. And that is a challenge but it's what we're called to do when we forgive. Forgiveness is a difficult battle. Our pain is real, and our natural response is to strike back. We want them to feel pain. We want them to pay for their actions. David's forgiveness shines in stark contrast to the actions of Shimei, earlier to the actions of Saul. But that definitely continued to be a battle for him. Now there's a third passage concerning Shimei that's much harder to understand, and it takes place in First Kings chapter two. So in Second Samuel is basically the, the reign of King David. But then in the beginning of 1 Kings he is getting ready to step back from the throne and hand it over to his son uh, Solomon. And in 1 Kings 2, we see David giving some advice to Solomon. And here's what he says in verses 8 and 9. Verses 8 and 9 of 1 Kings 2, it says, and see David speaking. And he's just been sharing about some people that Solomon needed to be aware of, some people that Solomon needed to encourage and be thankful for. And in this list, he comes to Shimei. So in verse 8, and nine of First Kings two, it says, and see David speaking. You have with you Shimei the son of Gera, a Benjamite from Bahurim, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when I went to Mahanaim, and that's where he left when he left uh, Israel when Absalom was taking over the kingdom. But he came to meet me at the Jordan, and I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. We read about that in verse nine or in chapter nineteen. Now notice what he says now therefore do not hold him guiltless for you are a wise man and know what you ought to do to him but bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood what david the one who forgave shimei now is telling solomon watch out for him if he crosses the line execution whoa there's a couple things we need to understand, and it's a hard passage. There's a couple things we need to understand. Number one is David, we saw in verse 8 as I read it to you, that, that David kept his promise that he would not take vengeance on Shimei. He would not have him killed, even though that's what he deserved legally in their culture, in their laws. So why did he tell Solomon, feel free to go ahead and execute him? Well, a couple things. Number one is, I have a feeling Shimei demonstrated his snake-like character beyond that time when David forgave him. But David had kept his promise. And here was Shimei, probably still causing dissension in the kingdom. And Solomon as a young and inexperienced king with a nation that was not, I'm sure, many wondering, is he going to be like David? Do we need to question Solomon's authority? Make sure that you don't allow Shimei to destroy the kingdom and treat him with justice give him what he deserves when he des- or if he decides to go after you and after the kingdom but it's a tough passage one of the greatest stories of forgiveness, in fact, if, if you share what's the greatest story of forgiveness in Scripture other than God forgiving us, many people would use the name of Joseph in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, where he forgave his brothers. An amazing story of forgiveness. But while his story of forgiveness is amazing, they had sold him into slavery. Originally, they were going to kill him, but they said, we're going to do something worse. We're going to make him a slave for the rest of his life. Killing him will be pain for a very short amount of time. Being a slave for his life will be misery for many years but what happened Joseph rose to second in command of all of Egypt and his brothers come because there's famine all around the region and they come to Egypt to to plead with this person of second in command of all of Egypt not knowing it's their brother and Joseph forgives them but before he revealed himself and forgave them a a couple things happened First of all he caused them a great anxiety when he put money back in their in their packs that they were given giving to buy the food and then had them chased down and arrested and then he had one of them who spent many months in jail until they brought back their youngest brother Benjamin So while he forgave He was busy checking to see if they had changed it's an amazing story of forgiveness but we see the struggles that joseph had just like we see the struggles that david had it is hard to forgive but it is vital to forgive and our story today gives us some aids to forgiveness things that can help us forgive how can we forgive well first we need to keep the focus on God David recognized God's involvement in the situation and determined to honor God in his actions you see it wasn't just about David and Shimei it was about David and God and when someone has hurt us and we choose whether to forgive or not it's about our relationship with God and he kept the focus on God in 2 Samuel chapter 16, in verse 12, as David is leaving, Abishai wants to go up and kill Shimei, and David says this in verse 12, it says, It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for His cursing this day. David said, it's in God's hands. God is the one I look to. And also remember our own sinfulness. David could think back to his sins. It's interesting in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the first part of verse 13 says So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord, after Nathan challenged him about his sin with Bathsheba, Bathsheba and murder of Uriah. But notice what it says in 2 Samuel 1920. We read earlier it says, For I, Shimei speaking to David, for I, your servant, know that I have sinned. Therefore, here I am the first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my Lord the King. I have sinned. Those words rang in David's memory bank, thinking as he stood before Nathan pleading for forgiveness of God and having to say, I have sinned. We need to remember our own sinfulness. I must recognize that I am a sinner forgiving a sinner. Another thing we need to do that can aid us in our forgiveness is to cultivate a thicker layer of skin. We often allow small things to offend us. David did not let Shimei get under his skin even when Shimei lied about him tried to hurt him cursed him Proverbs 19:11 says the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger and his glory is to overlook a transgression God is pleased when we don't allow offenses against us to control our emotions and to control our actions we need to cultivate a thicker layer of skin and then try to understand where they're coming from David recognized Shimei's struggles It does not excuse the sin, but when I understand the struggles, the circumstances, as well as the sinfulness in the life of the person who offended me, it can help me to show grace and forgiveness. But what about the dangers of unforgiveness? There are some dangers. We need to understand the destruction that a lack of forgiveness causes. A lack of forgiveness prevents worship. Matthew five twenty three and 24, Jesus speaking on the Sermon on the Mount said, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. When I don't forgive or I don't seek forgiveness, both sides of the spectrum, my worship is inhibited. Whether I am the one who needs to forgive or I am the one who needs to ask for forgiveness, when I don't deal with that, my worship is hurt. A lack of forgiveness affects our relationship with God. Jesus reminds us of that important principle in the Sermon on the Mount. We just looked at chapter five of Matthew. This is in chapter six. In verses 9 through 13, Jesus shares what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's really an example prayer. The the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And we see that Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven. And remember, part of the prayer says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Or our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. But notice he goes on, he he closes the prayer in verse 13, but then he he gives some more information in verses 14 and 15 of Matthew 6. It says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus said it bluntly, when I don't forgive others, God will not forgive me. We also see that a lack of forgiveness leads us to attempt to take God's place as judge. We want to take that position that only belongs to God. As we said earlier, we much prefer the judgment seat over the mercy seat notice what paul says in romans 12:19, beloved if you do not avenge or do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath in other words set it aside for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord we want to say vengeance is mine i will repay says me but that's not how it's supposed to be we're called to step aside and let god handle the situation and by the way he is the only one who knows the whole story David's psalms are filled with his petitions asking God to handle the situation. And it's interesting, if we remember back when Saul sought to kill David, David reminded Saul that God would be the judge. He said, let God judge between you and me. We need to step back and let God handle the situation. And we see that a lack of forgiveness leads to other sins this is a partial list gossip so easy to have a lack of forgiveness and to allow that lack of forgiveness to cause us to talk negatively about that other person or a critical spirit a lack of forgiveness allow, or allows that critical spirit to take root in our lives joylessness takes away our joy anger A lack of forgiveness allows our anger to control us and it leads to bitterness. And also, a victim mentality. A lack of forgiveness causes us to feel self pity. We feel sorry for ourselves. We have been so unfairly treated. Woe is me. Eeyore comes in and takes residence in our life. And so, we need to beware as we see the dangers of a lack of forgiveness but we also need to be encouraged in the benefits of forgiveness. When I forgive, I bless the person who is forgiven. Joseph in Genesis 50, and again, we saw the struggle that he had, but as the story closes in chapter 50, verses 19 through 21, here's what Joseph did. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in a place of God, but as for you... You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. It's fascinating. He says, for I am in the place of God. He's basically saying, I am the authority here because he had power as the leader or second in command of all of Egypt. He said, but as for you, verse 20, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as to this day to save many people alive, God took your evil deeds and allowed those circumstances to put me in this position where I could interpret the dream and the nation of Egypt could collect and save save food during the times of plenty. So when the fam- famine came, not only the nation of Egypt, but the area all around, including their family, could be rescued. Notice what he says there in verse 21. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones and he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph's forgiveness blessed the people that he forgave. But also we need to recognize that when I forgive, I have freedom and joy. Lewis Smead's, we quoted earlier, says this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. How true that is. How many times have you seen somebody who's bitter and the person that they're bitter against doesn't even remember what took place? Oftentimes, they never even knew in the first place that they offended them. But it drives their life. The bitterness and anger controls them. And they live a miserable life because they can't forgive but when I forgive, I do have freedom and joy. I love what Nelson Mandela say, said. He said, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and thinking it will kill the other person. <laughs> How true that is. Proverbs 4.23 reminds us to be careful what we think because our, thing, our thoughts run our lives. When I choose not to forgive, I am controlled by anger, I'm controlled by bitterness, but when I choose to forgive, I am freed from that control and I can have joy. And finally, when I forgive, I am a picture of Christ. When I forgive others, it points to God's forgiveness to us all through Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4.32 says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiveness is difficult, but it's vital as a follower of Christ. And we need to reflect the character of God by forgiving one another. Before we pray, I'm going to give you an opportunity to spend just a minute going before God silently and asking Him to work in your heart. Maybe a lack of forgiveness that you have toward a person or a group of people that you're harboring in your heart. And it's affecting your relationship, obviously, with that person. It's affecting your relationship with God. It's destroying your joy. And it's painting a horrible picture. Rather than the picture of God's grace and forgiveness to us, it paints a picture of bitterness and anger. So let's take a moment and pray silently asking God to help you in that situation and in all of our situations to be people of forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness in our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to reflect your character by being people of forgiveness. And Lord, I know each and every one of us struggles with the decision to forgive. Help us to recognize the benefits of of forgiving, and the dangers of unforgiveness. Lord, give us the grace and strength that we need to forgive others who have hurt us. And Lord, may you be glorified in our lives as we reflect your character in this area. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.